0: You are listening to Season 2 of The Nutrition Story, a podcast by Vitamin Angels, a global organization working in the field of public health. This season, The Nutrition Story speaks to innovators, incubators and other organizations in the sector to understand why innovation is the necessity of the hour, and how innovation in maternal and child health can help improve nutritional equity for all. In this episode, we speak to Shine Kundu, a behavioral economist at the World Bank's Mind, Behavior and Development team to understand the mechanics behind behavior change. Shine has a decade-long experience applying economic principles to innovative policymaking. And while behavior change seems to be the buzzword, the science of behavior change itself is an innovation. Influencing Consumer Choices and Patterns. Chayan talks to us in depth about the issue and what it constitutes. Chayan, thank you so much for speaking to the Nutrition Story Podcast.
1: Thank you Shivraj for having me.
0: Let's dive straight into it. What is the role of innovation when driving change through behavior?
1: So how I look at the idea of behavior science and the idea of integrating behavior science into development policy making or general policy making that in itself is an innovation rather than looking for innovations within i think we have come a long way where we are today when we look at a developmental challenge we no longer just look at canonical models of how can this be resolved we also look at the behavior of the various actors involved in that process in that problem, and that very lens of looking is something that I would call an innovation in itself. If we look at the outcomes of this, if we look, say, either look at SBCC or if we look at certain ways of developing messages and all of those aspects, there is of course a lot of innovation in how those delivery channels happen.
0: So, you're saying innovation and behavioral change have the power to create lasting impact, could you? Share a standout example of how the World Bank has leveraged such innovations to deliver programs at scale and drive positive social change in a specific community or region? A couple of
1: big engagements do come in mind. However, I would take a step back and one thing that I have realized is in behavior science, behavior economics, the context is extremely important. And ensuring your solutions are tailor-made to the context so that's why there is a very limited scope of broad strokes across regions or say a national level program where i can say that this one solution or this one program has given us a lot of positive results however there are a couple of aspects that do come into mind where we go into a thematic area with a behavioral lens, but then within that area, depending on the region, the country, the context that we are working in, we do make those adjustments. So it's not one broad stroke, it's more about one broad umbrella with a lot of individual scope within that. And that's where one of the biggest things that come to my mind is the work that our team does on tax compliance that it's nothing to do with nutrition but in tax compliance for example we have had multiple projects in eastern europe in south africa where we have developed interventions at that are very context specific and we have seen long-term like immediate gains from that When we decided to send out letters to firms and individuals in Kosovo or when we were trying to do a different way of framing those letters and different way of framing those emails to firms and individuals in Moldova. So in those, what we have seen is not only do we see immediate gains, but we also see long lasting gains when we have gone back and done. Measurements two and a half years later, five years later, where a focused effort on behavior change has given us long standing impact. Another allied part is also our work on vaccine hesitancy. In around 2021, 2022, across 17 different countries in MENA and Africa, we worked on vaccine hesitancy, like developing interventions to tackle vaccine hesitancy. And again, in All these countries, we had to tailor it differently, but we were trying to measure the same thing, solve the same problem, measure similar aspects. And what we do see is we have a better understanding of why vaccine hesitancy happens in different sociocultural contexts today because of that. And that also allowed us to drive lasting change that almost all these governments are interested in expanding our work with them for vaccine hesitancy, even beyond COVID.
0: And what are some of the biggest challenges that the bank has faced when trying to bring about behavioral change? And how do you overcome them, especially through the lens of innovative approaches?
1: To be very honest, there are certain kind of challenges that we face. And that is not just very unique to the bank. Probably all policymakers and other institutions, any large-scale institution is facing that and is trying to address it. The two biggest challenges that I have seen other institutions my uh, team trying to navigate, is one of the things that we need to remember is almost all these large institutions or governments are very canonical in nature. They have what we call path dependency. They are used to doing developmental models in a certain way. And path dependency ensures that there is usually only marginal changes that are happening To these established methods of answering these questions. And we have seen disruption in that, especially in development economics in the last three decades with the advent of randomized controlled trials, evidence-based policymaking, and in the last couple of decades, especially the, the advent of behavioral economics in policymaking. However, what I have often seen is that in these large kind of institutions, and when you're trying to answer these large, big problems with other big partners, the first step is to convince people that these disruptions are not just fads. I have heard enough how our cities are fads, how behavioral sciences are fad. And so convincing that, that this is not something wishy-washy. This is different from how economic policy making, development policy making has happened over the century, but it is not wishy-washy and then generating that evidence, that rigor, both from academia and practice, to convince both internal and external stakeholders. I think that's the biggest challenge when it comes to behavior when it c- comes to integrating behavioral science principles in policy making at any large institution. The second thing that comes also is What I started with, at the end of the day, behavioral science, like any solutions from behavioral science, is very context specific. And this happens especially in nutrition, where we face it a lot. We are not trying to solve every district-wise or every village-wise problem by trying to go so micro for context specific. It's more about a tool, about an understanding that generates context-specific understanding and that allows us to tailor those things.
0: So it's disruptive and yet contextual. And you talk about the rigors, but from your experience, what about technology? Because technology essentially is taking over all aspects of our lives. How do behavioral insights address pressing issues that lead to transformative change?
1: I'll probably talk about one aspect Of technology instead of all aspects of technology, social media and generally mobile phone penetration and internet penetration has done wonders for behavioral science. Today, we no longer read messages about don't urinate in public on our neighborhood walls. Today, we see them on our Facebook posts, we see them in our TikTok videos. So, social media as a technology, like technology generally and in the specific context of what I'm saying, social media has been a huge enabler in driving these changes. What also helps when using social media is the fact that thanks to technology and AI especially, it becomes far easier for us to identify these various contexts. And social media allows us to identify these contexts with a high degree of precision. And then it allows us to also tailor make whatever intervention you de- design. You design messaging, you design a service delivery pipeline, or you design a chart, something as simple as that. Whatever you design, social media allows you to target your intervention to the desired group slash context in a very iterative manner and at very low costs. So it has brought down the cost of developing and iterating and contextualizing these interventions and it has increased the ambit of context that we can look at. And with increasing penetration of all this technology in African countries, in South Asian countries, social media is the best friend of behavioral science.
0: Can you shed light on how the World Bank fosters these partnerships to effectively implement the innovation aimed at influencing behaviors and how these collaborations have helped really amplify the impact of these kind of interventions and initiatives?
1: The reach of social media is still very nascent. So at the end of the day, we still have to do a lot of actual boots on the ground work. And when we do that kind of work, and in my experience of forging those partnerships i think the most important aspect is to identify partners that believe in your mission that believe in whatever you are trying to do but at the end of the day identifying the partners who have a very good sense of the very local problems and the very contextual problems and from my experience some of the most effective partnerships are with very local, small-scale organizations rather than organizations that are trying to do it at a national level. You need all kinds of stakeholders on the table. So you do need stakeholders who are thinking at a national level, at a state level. But at the end of the day, to understand the specific context that you are working in and to understand how do you generate these lasting impacts you need a very local level partner as well mm. with a thumb on the pulse of the community. The individual's behavior that you are trying to influence is often an unlocking feature in generating some lasting evidence and a lasting impact. Of course, the other thing that I have often seen that is very important is also thematic area experts on that topic, because at the end of the day, I am a behavioral scientist. I am not a nutrition expert, or I am not a child psychology expert, or I'm not a tax expert. I can tell you about the behaviors around those and how to interpret those behaviors, but I do not have the specific knowledge in that thematic area. And That's where it's a convergence between a technical expertise that a behavioral scientist brings and thematic expertise and contextual expertise. And once we have this convergence in the right place, I think that is what unlocks a successful partnership, developing some really good interventions, and yeah, solving problems.
0: Interesting. So, from boots on the ground to Folks who have a stake in and have a common mission to thematic experts, to technical experts, and contextual experts. It seems like a lot of work, but sometimes innovations can also face challenges when aiming for scale and sustainability. So from the World Bank perspective, are there any projects where you could discuss strategies and lesson learned on how you've successfully brought about behavioral change, but also managed to sustain it over a period of time and have a great lasting effect?
1: Since context becomes so important, that is usually what is the challenge to scalability, like easy scalability. I'll take an example of the work we do in nutrition, say, in South Asia, in Africa, and that I am involved in as well. When we started the, this work of in India, we were brand new to the context. We did a deep dive. It took us a good two and a half years to come up even with the first semblance of a solution. That's how deep we dove. And from there, what we learned is a lot of behaviors around nutrition and how to identify them and how to contextualize your interventions around those. And that's what we then took to Bangladesh. Then Mm -hmm. we took it to Rwanda. Then Mm -hmm. we brought it to Afghanistan. Very different sociocultural contexts. But at the same time, you need to have the clarity to know what are the features of this model that I am trying to understand and that I am trying to contextualize. So that's why when we then did the diagnostic in Bangladesh and Rwanda, there were far simpler diagnostics than what we did it in India. But we, when we are doing it in Afghanistan, it has its own separate universe of challenges. But at least the internal preparatory processes is where we know the ropes of how to move around when it comes to what are the aspects to look out for when it comes to behavior around nutrition. That helps us basically be cost effective, that we are not reinventing the wheel in every new country, in every new state, every new context that we are going to. And at the end of the day, scalability and lasting impact is all about cost effectiveness. And that is what, is what I find most fascinating about how we go about doing this, to be very honest.
0: So finally, uh, given all that you said, what are the insights you're getting from understanding and implementing the mechanics behind the science of behavior change?
1: Behavior change borrows a lot from psychology. But in my understanding and in my experience, the mechanics behind behavior change can be more or less flat. Classified into three or four categories. We have social norms. We have mental models. We have mind stats. So I have what we usually work with is a framework of these three kinds of mechanics. And then a lot of investigation within this mechanism. What exactly is the issue? So a social norm is an issue that depends on the context again. Right. So if it's a thematic area on uh, labor force participation in social norms, we would looking at female labor force participation and what are the existing norms around gender in that society. If we are looking at nutrition, there again, we will look, we will, will be looking at gender norms and what are the myths about foods that exist in a society. But what usually helps us in identifying this is a lot of reading a significant amount of literature review that usually goes into even before we start thinking, even before we start addressing a problem, we need to understand that what from other established researchers and academicians, what are the mechanisms and what are the issues that have been identified already that affect this thematic area or this regional context and then tie all of them together to do a deep dive diagnostic about to understand the context to understand the
0: specific. Chan, thank you so much for throwing insight on the mechanics of behavior change and for speaking to the nutrition story podcast thank you Shivraj. You were listening to a conversation with Shayan Kundu, a behavioral economist at the World Bank's Mind Behavior and Development Team on Season 2 of the Nutrition Story Podcast. Do you have an innovation in the space of malnutrition and maternal health that you want to tell us about? Talk to us and tell us how you are also a leader of change. We would love to hear from you. Write to us at contactindia.com at vitaminangels.org.